Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash takes by fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. All righty, today's a big old Thursday, folks. We've made a full week cycle in the NFL. Sheesh. The second Thursday night game of the season is upon us tonight, Giants at Washington now we have to still you know guess and react to the line and we will break that uh, game down today and make our official prediction today uh, but today on the show, we got uh, we got to finish up uh, three three uh, film studies. Uh, couldn't get to the Steelers and Bills because of technical difficulties. We figured that out, and uh, hopefully we don't get any glitches. But if there are glitches, then uh, we got a little bit of a shortcut. We we can figure out and uh, beat the system that is holding us down. So, uh, Bills, Steelers, Dolphins, Patriots, and then we look at a couple of things uh, with the Bears and the Rams. Got to look at Justin Fields. No, come on. Uh, so, we got to finish those up. But then uh, today, also, we are going to be guessing and reacting to all the Week 2 lines. Uh, not just the Thursday night games. We're going to be going over the Sundays and the Monday uh, to get us ready for tomorrow's show where we make our official picks. Woof. We, went, uh, we did real good Week 1. We went 4-1-1. Uh, the only push that we had was the 49ers, but they were up by like 20. I mean, that minus 8 was a win. They just blew it at the end. Back to our cover. The only one that we got wrong was Vikings minus 4. And, you know, we said we will never bet the Vikings. We will not root for the Vikings. These Vikings are the same old Vikings from last season that we know was trash. And we are officially done with them. So we gave them a chance. They, you know, uh... They uh, let us down, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so uh, we're we're done with them. But uh, we're looking to go six and zero this week. So uh, that process starts today with guessing and reacting to the line. So a busy, packed show today. So let's just jump right into it. A couple of stories I just want to quickly touch on before we get into those film studies that we missed from yesterday. But the first one, the biggest story up, man. Oh man, super tough here. For this Cowboys team, Cowboys defensive end rusher Demarcus Lawrence is out indefinitely after breaking his foot in practice. Oh, no. Oh, no. Now, we know Demarcus Lawrence is a great defensive piece here for this Cowboys team. You know, top, you know, maybe 10 defensive end in the league. I think you could probably put him in that category. But, uh, yeah, you know, this is going to be a huge out for this Cowboys team. They're expecting about six to eight weeks recovery time. He just had surgery, I believe, today or last night. It's over. The surgery is done. Uh, so now it's on to the rehab process. But, man, oh, man, I mean, folks, we talk about Demarcus Lawrence all the time. That leadership, leadership. We just saw it in week one, Thursday night football. That little, like, two-second, three-second camera shot of Demarcus Lawrence and Dak Prescott on the bench of that Thursday night game in Tampa. Tampa Bay hyping up his team when it was only a one possession game at that point in the uh, I think third quarter it was so you know that great leadership a nice veteran presence on this team and we know this Cowboys defense is kind of the worst thing about it now it looked okay it looked pretty solid on Thursday but now we're getting all these injuries and Dan Quinn's gonna have to start you know having you know Franken defensive players out here you know just all the injuries that is plaguing this defense and just Cowboys team in general, you know, you're going to have to start putting some pieces in here and hoping that they can get the same production 
that you are getting with your starters. So Demarcus Lawrence is going to be out for a while, six to eight weeks. Big blow here. Hopefully he can still, you know, show that leadership on the sideline. But, uh, you know, he's not going to have that presence felt on the field. And uh, the Cowboys defense might suffer because of it. So Dan Quinn, another kind of hurdle that he has to overcome. And we'll see if he can do it. But damn, 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 Demarcus Lawrence, man. Darn. All righty. Here we go. So for tonight's game, we got the Giants at Washington, and we have some uh, actives and inactives for this Giants team. So Giants running back Saquon Barkley is still questionable, folks. Didn't look the greatest game one, never really got any production, and now he's back at being questionable with that knee injury. So we'll see if he's good to go. Uh, no firm decision whether he's good to go or not quite yet. Unfortunate there. But we do know that tight end Evan Ingram is officially out. So another week without their tight Tyden Evan Ingram, this getting out to a slow start, folks. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna tell you when we get to the segment, but we're not buying this Giants team, and it's just so unfortunate, folks. I mean, we tried, we wanted to, we gave it our all of trying to buy into this Giants team throughout the offseason, and as it got closer and closer to the season, there was just no urgency. We weren't hearing about anything on Saquon Barkley, and everybody was kind of getting injured at the wrong time, and everybody was saying, "Hey, we're gonna get out." to a slow start. I mean, no urgency was shown here during this Giants game last week. The only urgency that we saw was the Giants going down and scoring a touchdown right at the buzzer, taking the last minute and 29 seconds left in the game when they already lost the game, getting blown out, and just being like, all right, let's go down and score a touchdown. That was the only urgency we've seen over the last four months of this Giants team. Joe Judge, I don't know. We're starting to question him at the head coaching position. Can this man coach? Because there's no urgency here on this team. Daniel Jones isn't showing that leadership and providing that urgency. Saquon Barkley was too busy, you know, rehabbing from his ACL tear to worry about the urgency for his own team. He was, you know, working urgently on himself. Then we've got, you know, the offensive coordinator, um, Jason Garrett. He's never shown any urgency. You know, I do think he's a little bit better than everybody gives him credit for. But, I mean, when we watched him, you know, head coach for the Cowboys, you know, they, there was never ur any urgency on that team. They never really got it done, truthfully. Uh, so, and then we've got Kenny Galladay, you know, coming over here and then kind of getting a little bit of a tweak right before the season. And once again, he, he his comments of, you know, we're going to get out to a slow start, no urgency from him either. So, there's no way we can buy this Giants team tonight. I don't care what the spread is. We will be taking Washington. Washington minus 7, I would be feel comfortable with. Washington minus 10, I don't see it being that high because we got Taylor Heineke at quarterback. Um, so, you know, I think we can luck out with getting real solid value here with Washington uh, because there's just no way we can buy into this Giants team on Thursday night football, on the road, divisional game, no urgency, you know, no Evan Ingram. Ingram, Saquon Barkley, questionable right up until game time. So we're feeling Washington tonight. And, uh, you know, once we break down the game a little bit more in depth, a little bit later in the show, we'll get to it and, you know, talk it all through. But, yeah, no Evan Ingram tonight. Saquon Barkley is questionable. 
All right, and then we get this. Oh, my God. Oh, my. This man, I feel so bad for Marcus Mariota, and who thought I would ever be saying that? Um, you know, obviously, you know, starting his career with the Titans and, you know, had one good season, and that was really it. Took over the league by storm, but really just couldn't be that productive. And that's, you know, the thing about dual threat quarterbacks in this league is that they really don't even compare or stack up to the timetable that just regular pocket passers, uh, QBs just um, can kind of play in. And it's not that they all get injured. It's just, you know, we just don't see that level of production at the dual threat quarterback position, uh, like uh, lasting longevity wise. So that's kind of what happened with Marcus Mariota. He just wasn't getting it done. They bring in Ryan Tannehill, and you know, we know the rest is history from there. So Marcus Mariota goes to the Raiders last year. He played in like one game, but he couldn't even finish the game. Didn't he get injured in that game or something? Unfortunate. So he couldn't even finish the one game that he was kind of playing in, but he looked real solid, and then he couldn't get a job anywhere else. So he had to re-sign here with the Raiders as the backup, and then they brought him out there real early in the game, folks real gosh dang early in the game we got the play right here first quarter first drive and they bring him in on third and one third and one Marcus Mariota you gotta move the ball here you gotta pick up the first down we're putting all the pressure on you game one a Monday night football at home against the Baltimore Ravens first drive out there Marcus Mariota See what you can do. And what did this man do? He said, oh, y'all need me to pick up one yard? Well, I'll pick up 30. Here's 29 extra for you. I mean, just goes right up the middle. Fantastic. Great speed. Was looking real gosh dang good. But he gets injured on the play. Oh, no. The one time Marcus Mariota's coming back in the game. He gets injured. And now we get this. Raiders backup quarterback Marcus Mariota to miss multiple weeks after aggravating his quad versus the Ravens, the play that we just saw. So, you know, here you know here we are, Marcus Mariota being heavily involved in this offense, maybe kind of, you know, getting back into the limelight at a starting quarterback position, uh, possibly by showcasing his talents here. But then he goes and gets injured, aggravating that quad. So, missing a, uh, multiple weeks here. This Raiders offense is going to take a little bit of a hit. I mean, you don't you don't put in Marcus Mariota the first drive of the season if you don't expect him to play you know that kind of role consistently throughout the entire season like what kind of the 49ers want to do with Trey Lance obviously don't want to kind of implement it you know week one but you know that's Kyle Shanahan saying hey he's gonna play this season at some point at some capacity uh we just have to kind of figure that out <clears throat> you know John Gruden was so comfortable with Marcus Mariota they were like yeah we're gonna do it right from the rib yeah no worries starting one first uh third down of the season get that man out there let him do his thing. So, truly unfortunate uh, with Marcus Mariota right here. Can't stay healthy. Um, but uh, hopefully, once it comes playoff time further down the road, when it's uh, time to make that final push for securing your playoff spot, Marcus Mariota can be healthy. And they kind of, you know, re-put him out there with their original, uh, you know, plan and blueprint of what the offense is. Having Marcus Mariota, Mariota come out there for some gadget plays and some nice kind of, you know, third and shorts for that dual threat ability because... Because, you know, that 30-yard run was looking great. I mean, he was looking with great speed. Obviously, not as fast as Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, uh, but a little bit quicker than Ryan Tannehill. And now, you know, we're rocking with cooking with gas. So, truly unfortunate here with Marcus Mariota. Going to be missing some weeks. 
Alrighty, and then the last story to go over to very, very quickly. <clears throat> uh, Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams. Now he's speaking out. We all know the giant... Uh, disappointing blowout that the Giants just had against the Saints, you know, when they were on a neutral field, never looking that great. Aaron Rodgers, two interceptions, not great. Uh, but now everybody's talking and, you know, uh, you know, having their voice be heard. So let's hear from Devontae Adams and see how what he has to say about the loss and if we should be buying this Packers team or are we starting to see kind of the kindlings of a fire that is going to start exploding if things start to keep going wrong here. So um, let's read... Uh, this article right here and see any quotes of Devontae Adams and see what's going on here with this Packers team and how they're all feeling after that big gigantic flop of a game one all right so here we go on Wednesday, Green Bay star receiver Devontae Adams joined NFL Now and reiterated that the team lacked juice in the season opener, saying, quote, it just got weird, man. It was a weird game. We had like 12 plays in the first half. Our defense wasn't getting off the field, and that wasn't our best display. We came out really flat, and I think it will be a really good wake-up call for us. Oh, you mean, you know, having all these distractions in the offseason, going into training camp, and having your uh, quarterback not be at OTAs? That gets you out to slow starts overall? Oh, who would have thought? Of course it is, folks. All these distractions. And it's funny because Aaron Rodgers is, like, bringing all bringing out all these distractions himself. It's not like the media was really talking about, you know, what was going on between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers organization. They were because Aaron Rodgers was going on jeopardy and disrespecting everybody in the Packers and then actively saying he's holding out and all that. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers was bringing all this negative attention and now here it is week one, they come out flat and, you know, people are talking about it because there is correlation between, you know, him holding out and not being a huge part of it and not being, you know, all buying in week one day one like everybody else and they come out a little flat Aaron Rodgers can't move the ball 12 plays in the first half not picking up first downs. Yeah, the defense defense wasn't able to get off the field, but I mean, you weren't giving your defense any rest. You were kind of going. Uh, I think I got, uh, we got the drive chart up here. I mean, their first, they had only three drives. Their first drive, seven plays for only 13 yards. It took three minutes, 51 seconds off the clock. That's pretty good. Second drive, five plays, eight yards, three minutes off the clock. Last drive, they had to do it right before halftime. They only have a minute and seven to work with. They use it all, and they end with the field goal. So Aaron Rodgers not being able to sustain those drives, unfortunately, to give the defense a little bit more rest. I mean, the defense for this uh, for this Packers team let the Saints go on a 15-play, 76-yard, 8-minute drive, and a 15-play, 83-yard, 10-minute drive, both resulting in touchdowns. So, you know, they're gassed after that, and Aaron Rodgers is like, all right, we'll move the ball 13 yards. Y'all good with that? Okay, now get back out there. So, just unfortunate, this Packers team getting out to slow starts. Uh, that, that's the only quote we have here by Devontae Adams? That is. All righty. So, uh, they're looking to put it past them. They're just saying, hey, we got out to a little bit of a slow start. No worries. We'll be good this week. So, we'll see if Aaron Rodgers can put that behind them or if this is just the beginning of a catastrophic collapse of Aaron Rodgers' legacy and saga here in Green Bay. If it all just comes to a boil point, uh, we'll see what they do. But uh, I believe they have a tough matchup this week. Who they got on deck this week? Uh, I got it written down. The Packers are are facing the Lions. Oh, 
Monday Night Football, hats home against the Lions, that's easy. All right. They're definitely going to be bouncing back from that game. No worries. So, um, you know, they'll be on full display against the Lions. No problem, folks. Don't worry about the Packers. They will be fine, I guess. Jeez. <laughs> Alrighty, those were all the stories that we just wanted to touch on quickly, getting us kind of caught up for Thursday. Uh, but uh, now let's head over to our film study. We had three segments, three games that we wanted to watch yesterday. Unfortunately, running out of time and technical difficulties with Game Pass, the website refreshing and losing our spot. But we found ways around it, and we brought them all up. So hopefully they didn't refresh. This is the moment of truth. Let's see. And they are still up. Well, at least this one. So thank goodness. All righty. So let's head over to our first game that we have to look at, and that is the Steelers and the Bills. And why we have to watch this one is because Bills fans are not happy with Josh Allen, folks. It's unfortunate. Game one, a little lackluster. Only put up 16 points at home, and they end up losing the game. That's really what set Bills fans off, just losing the game game now we went into this week week one uh you know telling everybody Steelers fans Bills fans hey calm down no worries this was before the game was even played hey one of these teams is gonna lose a good team is gonna lose unfortunately just like on Thursday night when the Cowboys had to face the Bucks a good team was going to lose it's just unfortunate there was about four five games from week one where a good team was just going to lose and there was nothing you could do about it because they had to face each other there has to be a winner and there has to be a loser now unfortunately Josh Allen, this was not the time to have a loss, you know, coming off that huge, huge hype train from the 2020 season that we were a part of, and we were, you know, uh, leading the charge. We were the conductor of, you know, a hype train. Obviously, we weren't the only ones, but, you know, Josh Allen truly won us over, and we spent the entire offseason, all those months, just staring at those stats, gushing over those stats, and waiting till he gets back out on the field. And then he has a little bit of a, little bit of a lackluster performance overall. We talked about it um, when we broke down the game, but, you know, throwing 51 times in the game, something Josh Allen has never done. They ask him to do it here, game one, against a real solid Steelers team overall, offensively and defensively, and he comes up a little bit short. So we have to kind of investigate some of these plays right here. We're going to be looking at a lot of kind of third downs, and we're also going to kind of celebrate on the touchdown drive because it can't all be bad. We have to see. So let's see Josh Allen on some of these third downs. Why couldn't he pick them up? Why did these drive stall and all that? And let's just see if we should truly be worrying about Josh Allen because we looked at some other quarterbacks um, yesterday during our Wednesday film study, especially Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he was, whew, his accuracy was all over the place, folks. He was honestly maybe the worst quarterback that we saw from week one. And, you know, he's a rookie. You know, that's granted. That's given. That's to be somewhat expected. And we're not going to, you know, harp on that too much. But we have seen bad quarterback play in week one. Now, is Josh Allen this bad quarterback play, or did he just go against a good defense? So let's investigate that. The first play that we have up is the third down. Third and five on their first drive of the game. They got a real great punt, um, kickoff return that set them into great field goal position. Unfortunately, they weren't able to cash in seven points for it. So first play up here is 0-0. Uh, third and five from the Steelers. 19-yard line, 13 minutes, 43 seconds left in the first first quarter third and five Josh Allen does not pick up this first down less than less in let's investigate why is this Josh Allen's fault so here we go let's run the play here we go Josh Allen in the shotgun drops back the pass 
looking for somebody, buys time in the pocket, and the ball seems to have been tipped at kind of the line of scrimmage, going to Stephon Diggs, which we saw, you know, plenty of times last season, and a huge reason why people may say Josh Allen will take a step back this season. There's two reasons, two thoughts, why Josh Allen will not live up to the hype that he set up for himself last year. One is, you know, hey, they're going to lock up Stephon Diggs, and Stephon Diggs was really the only reason that Josh Allen was having success now that he has an A1 tier one wide receiver on his team. The other is the fans in the stands, the crowd noise. He's at home, so we wouldn't really expect that to kind of, you know, bother Josh Allen. So, you know, those two narratives are in play right here. Unfortunately, this pass was just tipped at the line of scrimmage, and it, uh, you know, he was going to Stephon Diggs, going to, you know, his playmaker. You got to give him credit for that. So, uh, that first uh, three and out, or that first uh, unfortunate not being able to pick up the third down conversion was not Josh Allen's fault. But now we're going to the next. What do we got here? Um, this is a three and out drive. So let's watch this three and out drive. Why did it go three and out? Why could they not pick up anything here? They had great starting field position at their own 37-yard line. So let's see what happens here on all these plays starting at first and 10. Now they're still up 3-0 from that previous field goal. Three minutes, 50 seconds left in the first quarter. Steelers haven't done anything. Not a lot of pressure. Let's see what happens. Play one is Josh Allen passing the ball. And I don't know what the hell this is supposed to be. What is, what are you, is he just throwing the ball away? I mean, this honestly could have been intentional grounding. Who gets intentional grounding by throwing over the middle of the field? So he escapes the pocket, escapes all that pressure, and then tries to throw the ball. And literally, there's nobody 20 yards within the vicinity right here. Um, so, yeah, not a great ball right there. It seemed to be nothing open. We don't have the All-22 film just quite yet. That should be out by the end of this week going into next week. So our kind of film study should be able to get a little bit better uh, when we can watch all 22 and see if there was really anything open that Josh Allen just truly missed. So <clears throat> didn't seem to be anything open there. It's an incomplete pass. Now we're looking at second and 10. All righty. Let's see what Josh Allen does this time. Still in the shotgun. We got three wide. Running back motion on the play, and it seems to be like a quarterback draw. Josh Allen going up the middle, and we did see Josh Allen fumble twice in this game, and he didn't fumble a lot last season. He fumbled a lot in the beginning got re and cleaned it up really kind of after like week four. I don't think Josh Allen fumbled for the rest of the season after like week four. But in 2019, Josh Allen was fumbling the ball a lot, so we're kind of seeing it here. Josh Allen does get out to some slow starts, and we even saw it last season with the fumbling issues, the turn over issues. So maybe this is just Josh Allen's natural progression, taking all this time off and being a little rusty coming out of the gate, um, especially at home. So that's not the greatest, but you know, it's not cause for truly concern. I mean, you know, if you're going to tell me, Hey, you know, your quarterback's going to be bad for, you know, week one, maybe week two, but you know, from week three on, he's going to be on the money and you're definitely going to be competing for, you know, playoff spots and Super Bowls. I'd be like, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, no worries. I'll go 0-2 if it's guaranteed that my quarterback is definitely going to get better. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so <clears throat> that seems to be what Josh Allen is, you know, a little bit of, you know, first ba game back jitters, you know, first day back to school jitters, if you will. Uh, so that's something, you know, that we are going to have to kind of keep track of definitely this week. We'll see what happens next next week, but, um, you know, something to uh, keep in mind. Josh Allen fumbling. Hopefully, we don't see it too much more here. He didn't fumble on this play. I'm just bringing it up.
Uh, but here we go. Now it's third and one. What do they call here? What do they trust? Do they trust the running game up front on third and one against the Steelers defense? Or do they trust Josh Allen? Because we're going to be going through some of these other drives on the fourth down call. They had two fourth down calls. Why were they doing that and all that? We're going to get it into, into those plays as well. But let's see. Third and one at their own 46-yard line. What do they call here? Let's see. They call a flea flicker. Josh Allen, plenty of time to throw. And then, oh, just unfortunately kind of uh, doesn't sling that ball in there to Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs was open, but he just kind of, you know, let air underneath this ball and it kept it in the air too long. And the uh, Steelers defender was able to make a play on the ball at the very last second. So, Josh Allen, you had plenty of time. You had plenty of room and time to step into this throw to deliver an absolute rocket to Stephon Stephon Diggs, and he just kind of, you know, floats it out there. It's unfortunate. Ball got, you know, left in the air too long, but that was a great ball to Stephon Diggs. Once again, going to Stephon Diggs on these kind of do-or-die situations, the third downs where you need a completion to move the chains. Let's see if we can watch it from this angle one more time from the back angle to see if this really had, if this could have yeah, put it out a little bit more out in front, a little more zip on this ball, and that should have been complete. So that's on Josh Allen right there. Maybe a little bit lackadaisical on the throw, knowing that it was kind of open and he had time to throw. Didn't think it needed that velocity on the ball. So that is kind of on Josh Allen right there. Unfortunate. So, um, you know, three and out right here at great starting field position, give and leaving the door open for the Steelers. That was the narrative by this Bills team the entire game, leaving the door open. They were up 10 nothing at halftime, folks, and then it started to get to, to uh, 10 to 3, and the Bills weren't doing anything, and then 10 to 6, and then the Bills weren't doing anything, and then it's 13 to 10, and then 20 to 10, Bills still not doing anything, and then it's, it's over at that point. Two possession game in the fourth quarter, it's hard to come back from that so um so yeah josh allen on the three and out not great right there all righty next one up we've got uh what do we got we got back-to-back -back incompletions come on we can't be having back-to-back -back incompletions still three nothing still three nothing at the steelers side of the field at the steelers 44 yard line second and three in opposing territory he goes incomplete incomplete and the drive stalls come on what do we got here by josh allen let's see here we go second and three there's no reason why you can't pick up three yards on two plays let's see what josh allen does here who he's going going to and how he's looking on these th on these throws so here we go play action pass dropping back to pass plenty of time to throw easy pocket right there and Josh Allen a little off the money right here on the deep ball to once again Stephon Diggs and I've got no problem with Josh Allen going to Stephon Diggs over and 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 over again I would support that I would definitely say utilize your weapons we tell Zach Wilson of the Jets all the time go to Corey Davis every single play it doesn't matter they, they will make the play but Josh Allen a little off the mark on this ball and it really wasn't that open I mean the you know Josh Allen is kind of lucky that the defender wasn't even uh, you know wasn't able to kind of make a play at this ball last second so you know Josh Allen trying to fit it in there and like I said you know testing your weapons and you know trusting your guys 1v1 2v1 1v2 I've got no problem with that um, but you know it's unfortunate and if you're gonna make those decisions and you know stand by those decision you know decisions that you make to you know throw that ball I've got no problem with that but you know we're gonna you know take everything as a whole and it's just unfortunate he was off the mark well, let's see on this back replay right here if we get a good angle just to really see if this was really off the mark or not we'll get a great look right here 
Yeah, just a little overthrown, man. Jeez. So, got to rein in that deep ball accuracy a little bit more. But now we get third and three. Let's see what Josh Allen does here this time. Uh, it's just a setup screen. And man, oh man, we talk about this all the time. I mean, we say, you know, we don't really want to watch screen plays because, you know, the quarterback, he doesn't, you know, do really anything. You just deliver the ball. But this time, Josh Allen doesn't even deliver the ball accurately on this screen play. That's the main. There's two things that you have to do on a screen play. Deliver the ball accurately, which, you know, usually happens. It's a, it's a catch, throw, and, you know, look and throw. That's all it is. It's quick. It's a one second total process but you have to be accurate with the throw so the receiver can catch and then immediately turn up field because the defenders are coming in since they know they see the ball thrown they're going to attack the other good the other thing that needs to be done on these screen plays is the blocking it's all set up by the blocking if they can block those initial kind of, you know, two corners on the line, the linebacker, the corner on the line, you're set up for success. So the throw has to be 100% on the money, and the blocking needs to get set up. And the blocking can't even get set up because Josh Allen just throws this ball so poorly, way low and way too much in front of these receivers. That's not where you put it. You put it a little bit behind the line of scrimmage or on the line of scrimmage, and you get it there, get it there with the velocity quickly, and you have to put it right in his chest, right in his hand, so he can immediately turn up field so Josh Allen right here on four and th fourth and three not looking good so once again the velocity and the accuracy is a little bit of a problem here with Josh Allen after coming off 69% completion percentage and 4,500 yards throwing last season. So, not great here on this drive stall. Now it's still 3-0, still leaving the door open for the Steelers. Alrighty, the next play we have up is... All right, we got back-to-back -back plays right here now. All right, now we're in the third quarter, still 10-3. to Bills, Bills, close the door on this Steelers team. They are in Steelers territory at the Steelers 35-yard line. This is where you have to truly put away the game. Score a field goal. It's a 10-point game, two possessions. You're looking golden. You score a touchdown. You're making it 14 points. You're making, it ha making the Steelers have to put up two touchdowns, cannot settle for field goals. This is the point in the game where you have to close the door and what do the bills do they go three third down and fourth down and turn the ball over on downs so let's see what happens here the play calling josh allen all that who do they trust let's see what happens so here we go third and eight third and eight from the steelers 35 yard line up 10-3 in the third quarter here we go josh allen in the shotgun play action pass plenty of time to throw doesn't step into it and tries to go to Cole Beasley, decently well covered by, seems like, uh, I think that was Minka Fitzpatrick. Let's see if we get another replay on this one. Yeah, it was Minka Fitzpatrick. We know this man's great. Uh, great lockdown safety. But here we go. Let's see where this ball was thrown. Here we go on the replay. Going to Cole Beasley. Minka Fitzpatrick not fooled by that double move. Cole Beasley trying to put a double move. And then Josh Allen throws the ball. Not the best positioning here by Cole Beasley. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick is kind of boxing him out in front of him. Cole Beasley has to try and dive over him to make the catch. And it's just unfortunate. Not really the place to go with the ball. Now, now that we have you know, the bird's eye view here, let's see if Josh Allen should have went anywhere else. This is the first down marker right here. It's only third and eight. So so let's see if any other route was open and if a, if he just missed a read right here. So here we go. We had three people going out for routes. Cole Beasley's well covered. You throw the ball right here. As soon as this other corner comes down to 
uh, to guard, to help cover Cole Beasley with Minka Fitzpatrick. It's right here. Josh Allen hasn't thrown this ball yet, and he doesn't throw it. He's not able to really step into the throw either. The pressure really got to him. Um... Not moving well in the pocket and not being able to step in the pocket. It's unfortunate, but you have to make this throw right here. It's right here, and Josh Allen still has plenty of time to throw the ball. And uh, that's the completion right here. That picks up the first. That puts you down in the red zone. This other wide receiver, I believe this is Stephon Diggs at the bottom of the screen. This is very well covered. So there's one wide open route. The two contested routes, and Josh Allen chooses one of the two contested routes right there. That's not the greatest look right there. But they keep the they keep the offense out there on fourth and eight. Uh, Sean McDermott, Dermott, trust his offense, trust Josh Allen. I've got no problem with that. Take this shot, take this shot. You're kind of in, you know, that um, borderline of do we kick the field goal? Do we punt it? Do we go for it on fourth down? So I've got no problem with this decision. It is fourth and eight, which is a little, you know, you really don't see, you know, people going for fourth and eight unless you know it's you know one second left in the game. And they need to score. They got to do something. You got to take the shot. But you know, just normal games you know situation you don't really see people going forward on fourth and eight especially having a seven point lead they go for that but let's see what happens here here we go Josh Allen drops back to pass pressure is getting there and then once again he's going deep you know fourth and eight the third down or the, yeah the third down that we just saw um was that second down they uh, second down he goes uh, deep to Stefan Diggs, third down, he does, you know, dink and dunk on the screen, it, it's complete, but, you know, testing that vertical, you know, uh, testing the defense vertically, I've got no problem with either, but maybe not the right decision here on this play, triple covered, trying to go to Stefan Diggs down deep in the middle of the field, uh, shorts the ball too, you know, you throw it, Stefan Diggs is trying to climb over these defenders too uh, catch this ball like Cole Beasley was and it falls incomplete and they have to get off the field so let's take this play one more time was there anything else open here should he have taken the deep route over the middle of the field yeah, really hard to see if anything was open at the time unfortunate it's incomplete pass Josh Allen can't really put exactly everything on it I don't think that was Stephon Diggs that may have been uh, Davis Number 13, definitely not Stephon Diggs. But regardless of who it is, it's triple covered, and it wasn't, you know, a pinpoint accurate throw where only the receiver can make a play on the ball. So Josh Allen kind of floundering out there. Um, and then we've got uh, one more drive up here. Here we go. Another, we're going to get another kind of fourth down, but this time it's 10-6. Here we go. Start of the fourth quarter. 10-6. Bills in Steelers territory. Close the door on this team, Buffalo. Please, Jays. So we get 10-6, third and three at the Steelers 43-yard line. Let's see what they call here. So Josh Allen hasn't been getting it done. Now they're going to switch focus to the running game. Maybe the running game can have a little bit more success here because we can't rely on Josh Allen. And that's definitely nothing you want to hear from your offensive coordinator or head coach. So let's see what happens here. Third and three. Fourth quarter at the Steelers 43-yard line. Here we go. All right, they run the ball. Steelers pound them one yard short of the first down. That's Minka Fitzpatrick coming up big again. I mean, we got to get – can y'all respect Minka Fitzpatrick even more? I mean, he goes under the radar. What the hell is up with that? Um, people, you know, talk about Jamal Adams and Tyron Matthew and Buda Baker. But get this man in your repertoire. Get this man in your vocabulary, vocabulary player talking about, player narrative repertoire. Minka Fitzpatrick comes up and makes a huge stick right there to 
to bring up Devin Singletary one yard short of the fourth down, first down to make the Bills go for it on fourth and one and to get the turnover on downs. It's all Minka Fitzpatrick. Give the man credit. Look at this stick. Woo! Take out those legs. Yes, sir. Minka Fitzpatrick is the GOAT, folks. I don't care. All right, but here we go. Fourth and one now. Who do they go to? Who do they trust? Let's see. Fourth and one. Josh Allen, quarterback sneak. Why is that not the case? Why are you not running a QB sneak? We just saw in the Dolphins game, they actively took out Tua twice at the quarterback position to stick in Jacoby Brissett, who is bigger and beefier, to have him run the quarterback sneak. Now, Josh Allen doesn't have the problem that Tua has of being small and not big and all that. Josh Allen is what, 6'4", 230? That's a big, beefy man out there. Let that man QB sneak it. But what do they trust? But what do they do here? A little bit of a gadget play that doesn't catch the Steelers off guard. So here we go. Tight formation right here. Got somebody in motion. And is Josh Allen throwing the ball to the running back five yards five yards behind? No, it's 10 yards. He's gonna throw this one 10 yards behind the, the line to gain. Folks, look at this. Look at this. He has to go 10 yards on fourth and one. What sense does that make? 10 yards on fourth and one. Who would have thought? And the Steelers blow it out. They sniff it out right away. And uh, they turn the ball over on fourth and one. So they don't trust just kind of Josh Allen to throw the ball on fourth and one. They don't trust Josh Allen to run it up the middle on a QB sneak on a fourth and one. They don't trust their offensive line to just uphold a regular running play or a fullback dive up the middle. They have to go a little gadget. So... Not real promising signs of Sean McDermott, his trust in the offense, Josh Allen's arm, you know, carrying over from last season. So a real tough game overall here for the Bills. Truly, truly unfortunate. Now, it's not all bad, so let's see if we can find anything good. Let's go back to Josh Allen's touchdown drive. I believe he only threw one touchdown the entire game, correct? Correct. So let's watch this one touchdown drive that came real early on. Uh, second quarter, six minutes left. They go down and score the ball like 90 yards for the touchdown. So let's see what Josh Allen was looking like when, you know, he was kind of at his peak, his best performance, going down and scoring the touchdown, making it a 10-0 game in the first half. So let's see what happens here. And let's see how Josh Allen's looking. Can we buy into him at all? Or is it all the negative plays that we just saw kind of, you know, overall what happened? So first play, they run the ball against nothing. Here we go. Now we get Josh Allen. Here we go. Empty backfield. Five wide. Now we're going to get something good. No, let's see Josh Allen sling this ball with five uh, wide receivers. Here we go. Drops back to pass. Pressure coming up the middle. Throws off of one foot, but it gets there to the tight end, Dawson Knox, and they pick up the first down. So, Josh Allen, let's watch this throw one more time. I mean, he put it right on the money. Didn't set his uh, feet as he was throwing, but it didn't matter. That's the first down. We'll give him the credit. All righty. Now, here we go. Next play up. First and 10, Josh Allen. Now he's got a completion under his belt. Let's see if he kind of, you know, takes off now that he's, you know, building a rhythm. Here we go. Dropping pack back to pass. Pump fake. Flag is coming in and uh, tries to hit. Uh, who is this? Stephon Diggs? No. Emmanuel Sanders. And he didn't have a great game either. I really wish Emmanuel Sanders really kind of, you know, showed out because we do, we are big believers in the man and really think he should be able to help out this uh, Bills team very well. Unfortunately, we get a holding play here. First and 20, Josh Allen dinks it down to Cole Beasley for about uh, 10 yards, making it second and 10 now, second and manageable. Josh Allen back, empty backfield. Let's see what he can do here. Five wide again. Here we go. <clears throat> Josh Allen dropping back to pass, and it's just a comeback route for about three or four yards, bringing up third and five, third and manageable. Here we go. Let's see what happens here. 
All righty. Josh Allen dropping back to pass, and he's able to find who is that. Woof. Gabriel Davis over the middle of the field. Decently open. Uh, let's see if we get a replay of this because they put it in the small box. We get a flag as well. What the hell is going on here? All right, we got to get a replay of this one. 12 men on the defense there for the Steelers, so an easy first down. It was a completion anyway, so they're right over midfield. They're not going to replay this play? Unfortunate. We got to watch this one in the small box. How unfortunate. All right, let's see if we can watch this one one more time. Here we go. Let's see. Seemed to be, I mean, wow. That's a really well-thrown ball. I mean, really tight window right here. He throws it beautifully between the two defenders. And Gabriel makes a great diving catch to pick up the first down. And now they're at midfield. So that was a great throw, great catch. Now they're across midfield. Let's see what they continue to do here on this drive. They hand, oh no, quarterback keeper by Josh Allen. Only gets about two or three yards. So brings up second and seven. All righty, here we go. In Steelers territory at the 34-yard line, Josh Allen, a comeback route to Stephon Diggs. There's also a flag. What's the flag? It's on the Steelers. Okay, so they pick up uh, five yards for the offsides here. Now it's second and two. Here we go, Josh Allen. Plenty of time to throw. Dumps it off to there. Stephon Diggs, a slant route for the first down. Now they're in the red zone. Let's see how Josh Allen is looking in the red zone. Got to skip very quickly here because we had a commercial break. Commercial break. Take a word from our sponsors. Sponsors, take it away as we fast forward 10 seconds at a time because NFL.com's website is very, very not up to our standards. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're back from commercial. Back from our sponsors. Please buy all those products because we need to get paid. All right, here we go. Josh Allen in the red zone now. Two minutes left in the first half. Up 3-0. Here we go. And it's another quarterback keeper here by Josh Allen. It gets nothing. All righty. So, I don't know. These design quarterback keepers here for Josh Allen have not really been that great. When he just kind of, you know, naturally runs because nothing's open and the pocket's collapsing. That's where he really has strength. But, you know, going right up the middle, he doesn't really do it that. And he fumbles. So, I don't think Josh Allen should really be utilized as a dual threat quarterback. Just have him kind of use his legs like Patrick Mahomes just to kind of pick up the first down and whenever he gets in trouble to just escape the pocket. All right, then he goes down to Cole Beasley again. Just a dink off for about eight yards over the middle of the field. Brings up third and one from the eight-yard line, from the nine-yard line. Here we go. Smaller field, tighter coverage. Let's see if Josh Allen's going to be slinging in these balls in some tight windows. We get a tight formation. Now they go to Josh Allen. QB sneak up the middle of the field. Why did y'all not do that again? It just proved to work. You got about four yards on that play. Jeez, and then, you know, we just saw on fourth and one, they go that kind of 10-yard pitch in the backfield when you had Josh Josh Allen going up the middle. You've already proven he can. So why go away from that? Jeez, I got three yards on the QB sneak. Here we go. Josh Allen from the six-yard line. Plenty of time standing tall in the pocket. Avoiding a little bit of pressure. Has to throw it away. All righty. Here we go. Second and goal from the six-yard line. Josh Allen again. What do you got for us? Here we go. Another quarterback keeper. Gets about two or three yards. Not bad. Now it's another third and goal. Here we go. Third and goal from the three-yard line. Can Josh Allen finally punch it in? 27 seconds left. Drops back to pass. 
And then, boom, Gabriel Davis. I mean, wow, this man is fantastic. That man was looking great on this drive. Back of the end zone, real tight throw, real tight window, and Josh Allen slings it in there. Let's get a nice replay. Oh, we'll get a great angle right here. Look at that tight-ass spiral. Accurate as hack. Look at that. Look at exactly where it had to be, that small window was open right on the back of the end zone I mean sheesh that's what we're talking about so overall Josh Allen when the tighter coverage is there we he still can make those tight window throws the accuracy is still there so still some glimpses right here I really think we just chalk this up as kind of game one for Josh Allen kind of brushing off the rust in the dust I think he will be fine only time will tell, obviously, and we'll keep breaking them down on our Wednesday film studies during the week. But we got Josh Allen week two versus Miami on the road against that Dolphins defense. Another tough game for Buffalo right off the rip here. We'll see if they can take advantage of it, but I don't think we jump overboard on Josh Allen just quite yet. Some questionable play calling. Also, you know, you know, just unfortunate that Josh Allen couldn't move the ball at sometimes as well. So I get both sides, folks, but we'll see what happens next week where we have more evidence and more data to back up um, our claims of Josh Allen, and we'll see what he can do. But overall, not a bad performance week one, not a great one, and definitely not what he, you know, picking up where he left off last season, unfortunately. So we'll see if Josh Allen can get back into the rhythm of it, the full of it, the swing of it. Alrighty, now let's go and head over to the Dolphins and the Patriots now. Let's start looking at them. We are going to be looking at Tua and every play of Mac Jones. Um, Tua's highlights in Mac Jones, uh, every throw that he made because, you know, we want to get a nice ground floor, uh, base level narrative and an idea of what these rookie quarterbacks are doing. Uh, we also have a couple of plays here by Tua. We've got uh, six, uh, five individual plays highlighted um, in the second half that uh, these quarterbacks were making real great plays right here that we do want to highlight. We're not sure if they're going to be in the highlight packages that we are going to watch or not, uh, so we have to make sure that we watch them here. But first play up is uh, third and eight here. Third and eight, 10-10 game, start of the third quarter, basically third and eight. Let's see what Tua can do here with the ball. Here we go. Drops back to pass, and he's going to go deep to Devontae Parker. Sheesh, I mean, damn, damn, damn. First of all, this is why I love Devontae Parker and why we need him healthy out here because this man is our deep threat wide receiver. A nice tall, I believe he's either 6'1 or 6'2. Great height out here, but just look at this ball placement here by Tua. And once again, this is the accuracy, the stuff that the, the thing that we say here all the time and why we are big believers in Tua is the accuracy. Here we go. Just look at where he puts this ball for Devontae Parker going against um, Casey Jackson, JC Jackson, Casey Jackson, uh, cornerback for these uh, Patriots right here. I mean, sheesh on the boundary. Watch this ball one more time. I mean, this really the replay doesn't do it justice. You got to watch it from the regular play. But here we go. Tua steps in the pocket. An absolutely beautiful 30-yard bomb here on the right boundary, the right sideline. Having Devontae Parker, one-on-one -on -one matchup, go up and get the ball. I mean, folks, look at that placement. Look at the extension of Devontae Parker helping out his quarterback. But overall, this is what I love from Tua, and this is what I love from Devontae Parker, truly highlighted here on this one huge play, tie game, second half, third and eight, and you move the ball, and now you're in Patriots territory. Absolutely great there. 
by uh, Tua and the Dolphins, and they end up scoring a touchdown on this drive, picking up that third down, moving the chains, which we talk about all the time in the show. You have to pick up third downs. Obviously, not every single time. We don't expect anybody to kind of, you know, fire from 100% clip on third down, but definitely, you know, 60% above, you know, more, uh, you know, completing 60% from third down. That's what we want to see. So, Great job there by Tua. Great job there by Devontae Parker. We need Devontae Parker to stay healthy, and Tua can deliver great balls like that. We've got no problem with it. Alrighty, next play up here. Still continuing on this same drive right here, but the Dolphins brought out the Wildcats here a couple of times back-to-back. -back. So let's see, can we revitalize? When did we break that out of um, initially, like 2008, 2010? I think that's really when uh, Wildcat took over the league by storm again. And then it went on its classic 10-year dormant break, and now it's reawakened here in 2021. So let's see what the Wildcat was looking like here for Miami. Here we go. We got Miles Gaskin, I believe, taking the direct snap. Two was not in the game. Or two was at the bottom of the screen right here. And it's just a run right up the middle. And it actually does real good. Got about eight yards, and they're going to run it again. It's uh, Salvin, Salvin Ahmed out there um, for the Wildcat. And he just ran right up the middle. And now we get him out there again, the Wildcat again. Here we go, second and two. Run right up the middle this time. Not Ahmed. This is uh, Gaskin. Nope, Brown. We got Brown this time. All right, uh, let's get his. Ooh, ooh we got Brown. Uh, here we go, here we go. We got uh, Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown, Salvin Ahmed all running the Wildcat and doing real good. They ran it twice and picked up the first down. And now we got first and goal from inside the five-yard line. Is this correct? Yes, sir. First and goal from the three. Then we get Tua back out here throwing to Jalen Waddle, And then Jalen Waddle is able to contort his body for this touchdown. And this is great as well. The rookie Jalen Waddle. Just look at this effort he gives on this play. No real great separation right here. I mean, he catches the ball three yards away from the end zone. The uh, defender's coming up to make the tackle, but the hustle and the athleticism Jalen Waddle has, watch it right here, folks, it's great. So the contact is two yards away. He ends up, like, horizontal one yard away, but he's able to contort his body to get into the end zone right here. I mean, folks, just look at how, what he does right here. This is absolutely fantastic. So, you know, hungry for the end zone. We saw the rookie wide receivers absolutely eat week one. Jamar Chase, a great performance, led the, uh, led the team in receiving yards for the Bengals. How great was that to see? We saw Devontae Smith able to score for the Eagles, and we see Jalen Waddle score here for the Dolphins. So all the rookie wide receivers were truly getting it done, and uh, Jalen Waddle was one of them. So give credit to that man. So well done for the Dolphins there on that drive, utilizing the Wildcat, catching the Patriots off guard, and it worked to, you know, kind of perfection. 10 yards, 10 plus yards on two Wildcat plays. We'll see if we see more of that, uh, you know, throughout the season. Alrighty, next play up here that we want to take a little bit of a look at. Now we got Mac Jones. Mac Jones down 17 to 10, second and 15 from his own 15 yard line. Eight minutes left in the third quarter. We need something great out of here by Mac Jones to kind of get them back in the game. Let's see what he can do here. Here we go, second and 15. Mac Jones in the shotgun, drops back to pass, stands in the pocket, and delivers an absolute strike for about 20 yards to Nelson Aguilar for the first down. Look at Mac Jones stand real tall in this 
pocket knowing he's going to get absolutely kind of obliterated, but also standing strong in the pocket to deliver this ball. Here we go. Mac Jones knows he's got to get rid of the ball here, knows this defender is barreling down on him, but he's standing tall, standing focused, delivers an absolute great ball that goes for the first down, so we give him praise. But look at this shot that he takes right here. Gets absolutely clobbered right there. Absolutely clobbered. So well done by Mac Jones, the rookie standing tall in the pocket, not kind of, you know, nervous, quick feet back there, wanting to escape, wanting to kind of, you know, buy the time and not get hit. That was a great job right there to pick up the first down, move the ball 20 yards, get some nice kind of great momentum on this drive because they are down seven right here. I don't, uh, do they end up scoring on this drive? I don't think they do. Uh, let's see. Uh, we're at third quarter, seven minutes, 40. Uh, they score a uh, field goal. So that was great by Mac Jones. That big second and 15 strike leads to three points. That's exactly what we need. Moving the chains, moving the ball to get points. Well done by Mac Jones right there. All righty. And then we got one more individual play to look at. Here we go. Or two more, actually, I think. We got two more? Yeah, two more. Okay. This next one is coming from Mac Jones again. Same drive where, you know, he picked up the first down that we just saw. Now third and 11. Let's see if he can pick this up and how he picks it up. Here we go. Mac Jones standing tall in the pocket. Pressure wasn't getting there, but he throws an absolute great floater to their running back, James White, right there. It's kind of a wheel route right here by... Um, uh, James White, he gets that kind of half a yard of separation, exactly what you need. This is open in the league. This is open, and Mac Jones sees it and absolutely lofts this ball beautifully, beautifully. Mac Jones on this clutch drive was absolutely kind of really gosh dang clutch, folks. Two huge throws right there to get them at midfield that we know that capitalizes with a field goal. Three points get. Let's watch this one one more time. Pressure's not even there. Stands cool. Lofts it up. Bingo, bango. Fantastic. Third and 11 pickup there by Mac Jones. The man was looking real solid out there for a rookie. You got to give the man some credit. All right, the last individual play we want to take a quick look at. Here we go. We get third and two, and this is going to be from Tua this time, folks. From Tua the man. Let's see what he can do here. Here we go. They're up one point, 17 to 16, third and two, eight minutes and 48 seconds left in the game in the fourth quarter. Here we go. They are at their own 48-yard line, third and two. First down is at the 50-yard line. Here we go. Tua. Play uh, kind of a read option, sprints out, finding, waiting to buy out time to find a receiver to go to. He ends up making the completion right here to his tight end. Let's watch to it right here. Just buying time. Nothing is open right here. Still rolling out to his left, still wanting to buy time, still keeping his eyes down the field. Ends up. Uh, well done by this tight end to kind of go back inside, playing and showing for your quarterback that is running out of time and trying to buy time, knowing that it's not there quickly, and the tight end finds a way to get open. Tua sees them, completes the ball right there on third and two, and it goes for the first down. Now, unfortunately, they throw the flag right here, illegal man downfield, and then the Dolphins have to punt the ball because they don't pick up this third and seven that Tua throws a pick on. We watch this play. We'll watch it again. But initially, it was a first down pickup. They just had a legal man downfield. That's not the tight end that he threw to. That was the offensive lineman. Tua, you know, that's not on Tua. That's not on the tight end. That, you know, the two people that made the first down pickup, unfortunately, gets called back. And then we get third and seven right here. Tua just trying to do too much right here, escaping pressure in the pocket. And that ends up taking a 
big old hit by Matthew Judon. Jeez Louise. I mean, this man is all the way in the air. I mean, that's a textbook hit right there. That's a clean as hell hit right there, and that's a great hit. Uh, but then Tua just kind of lofts it up. Not the best decision, and it goes for the pick. So, unfortunate there by Tua. Once again, you know, he's going into his second year. Got to clean up kind of, you know, the uh, mental errors a little bit and just that overall. So, we believe in Tua. The accuracy is there. Mac Jones was looking real gosh dang good and real clutch when kind of needed to be. Unfortunately, couldn't close it out. He doesn't fumble, though. It's James White that fumbles. So, once again, Mac Jones was doing everything in his power to try and win this game and be competitive, and he did. Didn't make any mistakes. I don't think he threw an interception, and I don't think he fumbled. Uh, Mac Jones, no interceptions. Mac Jones, uh, he fumbled once but didn't lose it. So, not bad there. So, overall, real good things there from Tua. Real nice things there from Mac Jones. And we'll see if they can get better. Uh, we're not going to watch the highlights. I think that really showcased everything we wanted to really see. Close game, great throws, clutch as hacked by both of them. So we'll give credit to both these players. I don't really think we'll see any more of watching Mac Jones every throw in Tua's top plays. Uh, but we will keep track and you know eyes on these quarterbacks as the season progresses, and we'll see if we kind of you know highlight them or low light them in next week's film study. But well done there by the Dolphins and Tua. Well done there by the Patriots and Mac Jones. It's just unfortunate one team had to lose right here. One point went for the Dolphins. Alrighty, last uh, last game here for our week one film study. Um, here we go. We got to look at Justin Fields, obviously, right? He didn't start the game, but he got into into the game, and he looked good in this game. And, you know, once again, Matt Nagy's doubling down on Andy Dalton this week, and there's reports coming out, and people are saying that they don't even want to start Justin Fields till like, week six? Oh, my God. What are we doing? Andy Dalton just showed us nothing. Nothing. We're going to talk about Andy Dalton, too during this uh, film study session. But, man, let's look at Justin Fields. We've got all plays queued up by Justin Fields right here. I think there's only three that he got in. And they, these three plays were more impressive than what Andy Dalton did the entire game. They put up the same amount of points with Justin Fields doing three plays and Andy Dalton uh, throwing the ball. How many times he slinged this ball around? 38 times. Justin Fields' three little old plays were as good as Andy Dalton's 38. 38. Uh, the man freaking fumbled and threw a pick, too. Justin Fields didn't do any of that. So what are we doing? What are we doing, Matt Nagy? Tell me what you are doing because nothing is making sense. You are making the wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision after all the wrong decisions that you have made over the last three years that put you in this decision, that put you in this spot. Jeez, jeez. But let's focus on the positive. Let's focus on Justin Fields, the future of this Bears team. And hopefully Matt Nagy's not here to coach this man because I don't want Matt Nagy anywhere near this man. I've officially come to that realization. I need Matt Nagy out of here, and I need Justin Fields to stay. I need Andy Dalton, Matt Nagy gone. Everybody else can stay. Uh, but, man, oh, man, I don't want Matt Nagy infecting and tainting Justin Fields because Matt Nagy is not a good coach. I'm ready to say it. I'm ready to confirm it. He is not a good coach. But let's watch Justin Fields out here, and let's see what he was doing. So the first playoff, here we go. First quarter in the red zone. They got Justin Fields going down in the red zone, baby. Come on. Come on. So here we go. First drive of the game. 13 minutes left in the first quarter. Second and 10 at the Rams 12-yard line. Let's see what they do with Justin Fields here. Here we go. Takes a snap. 
stares down um, his receiver right here on the right sideline, and it goes for about seven yards. And once again, one of the narratives that you know isn't really true, but what people were saying why they didn't want to start Justin Fields week one was because, oh, you know, we don't want him against Aaron Donald, you know, the edge rusher. We don't want him to get hurt, and we don't want him, you know, throwing interceptions because Jalen Ramsey's going to make plays on the ball. Womp, 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 womp. Well, who fumbled and then who threw a pick? It's Andy Dalton. Justin Fields didn't. And who did Justin Fields kind of target this time? This wasn't real, like, man coverage here by the Rams defense, but he was going to Jalen Ramsey's side. He threw over towards Jalen Ramsey. Here he is right here, number five, who makes a good lick right here, makes a good tackle, doesn't give up the first down, but still gave up eight yards. Still gave up eight yards right there. He threw to Jalen Ramsey. He tested Jalen Ramsey a little bit. He wasn't scared to go to Jalen Ramsey's side. So, Matt Nagy, what the hell are we doing and not starting Justin Fields? So he throws for eight yards right here, and then it's Andy Dalton who comes in and throws the interception. Is that the next play? Because we'll watch it. Um, yeah, let's watch this Andy Dalton interception because Justin Fields isn't throwing picks in the red zone. Is he? No, he's not. Andy Dalton is the one that does that. I don't believe it was his fault. If, I'm, if my memory is holding up, this is not Andy Dalton's fault, but it's still against Andy Dalton, so we will clown him for it. I've got no problem with that. It's Andy Dalton making this mistake. It's not Justin Fields. So here we go. Andy Dalton, third and six. Here we go. Dropping back to pass. Yeah, yeah, this is his fault. This is his fault. Yes, it is. It's tipped at the line. I don't even know who he was trying to go to here. It looks like miscommunication between him and the wide receiver. I don't know who he's trying to throw to here. But a great play. He uh, he shorts this ball. I mean, they, he throws it. It doesn't get past that kind of wave of linebackers. So it gets tipped uh, way before the end zone where nobody that he's throwing to is. He was throwing to, like, right here, folks, before this ball gets tipped up. I mean, there is nobody right there. So I don't understand where he's throwing to. And then it gets tipped up and picked. But that's Andy Dalton. This is not a good throw. I don't know where he's going, first of all. And it's not great because it gets tipped right before it's anywhere close to anybody so it's a low ball it's a badly thrown ball that's going nowhere let's quickly see if anybody was open in the end zone because we got five wide right here four yeah five wide right here empty backfield didn't seem like anybody was really open right here maybe you show the back yeah throw the back shoulder fade right here i mean this man's one and one in the end zone what are you doing andy dalton is so trash matt Nagy, you need to be fired right now i would have fired him right now honestly um after this game uh since it's on the road matt Nagy and andy dalton they don't get on the jet you are here in la you find your own way back i don't care if you have to walk i don't care who you have to call call mitch trubisky go back to buffalo y'all are not here with us anymore it is any it is justin fields he'll be my head coach he'll be my offense coordinator he will be the quarterback he'll be the leader i don't care y'all are not coming back on this plane with us goodbye sayonara you've had your chances you've blown every single one of them matt Nagy and andy dalton blown their chances over and over and over and over and over again we're, we're done with it we're done we're done oh my goodness let's see what else we get here by justin fields because he gets back in the game here we go justin fields back in the game here here we go, third quarter. They're down 20-7. to seven. Andy Dalton has only put up seven points this far. Classic Andy Dalton going the entire game, the first whole first half, midway through the third quarter, and the man has only put up seven points. Does that shock anybody? Of course it doesn't. The man is trash. He doesn't move the ball. He doesn't put up points. He doesn't win games. We know this about Dalton. Oh, good. But let's see what Justin Fields does here. Back in the red zone. Why y'all having Justin Fields in the red zone? Do you not try? Sandy Dalton because I don't and he just threw a pick Ugh, what are we doing you can't have it both ways it makes no sense just name Justin Fields the starter what are we waiting on 
Here we go. Justin Fields in the red zone. Here we go. Read option. Shovel pass. Goes for about a yard. Does he make the right read right here? Let's see. Should he have handed off this ball? It's a read option. Let's see. Here we go. The first initial read. Well, the edge rusher doesn't really bite. Edge rusher is kind of playing both the quarterback and the running back right there. So he pitches it off. I think that is a smart decision. And then it's the defensive end. Is that Aaron Donald who literally played all three of the options right there? <laughs> is that Aaron Donald? Who the hell is that? Jeez Louise. Give, give credit to this linebacker or this uh, edge rusher right here. Uh, I don't think that's Aaron Donald. Can't get a firm name or number on this dude. Might have been Aaron Donald. 98. That's not Aaron Donald, I don't think. Uh, but, yeah, he played every he played every little – literal uh, – every option. The handoff, the pitch, <laughs> the keeper. I don't even think the keeper was an option. I think it was the pitch or the handoff. Maybe should have done the handoff, but mm, looks like either way it's getting blown up. But it's a one-yard positive play, not a, not a negative play, so not bad. And then Justin Fields' last play that he scores a touchdown on. Let's see how. Here we go. First and goal. Still down 20-7. to seven. Is this the same drive? This is the same drive that they bring him out in? Uh, yeah, four minutes left. Here we go. Same drive. First and goal from the three-yard line. Justin Fields. Here we go. Read option. Ends up keeping it this time. Great blocking up front. And then he's able to go three yards for the touchdown. I mean, this is a great play overall. Good blocking up front to buy a little extra time right there. Here we go. This is a great block right there. Then he comes off and goes second level. That's another great block right there to give Justin Fields the kind of opportunity to kind of wiggle his way between these three defenders. I mean, he's getting contacted three yards short, and he's able to dive and use his momentum to carry him forward into the end zone. So that's great heart. That's great hustle right there by Justin Fields to re-bring him into this game. Now it's going to be 20-14. to 14. Uh, Andy Dalton, hey, you only need one more touchdown. And is it a coincidence that Justin Fields doesn't touch the ball for the rest of the game and they don't score for the rest of the game? I mean, that's is that a coincidence? I don't think so. That is exactly what you get by having Andy Dalton out on the field. You don't score again in the game. So, congratulations, Matt Nagy. You blew the game. You were back in this game. You keep Justin Fields out there. You may win the game. I'm not going to lie. You keep Justin Fields out for the for the rest of the three, uh, four minutes in the third quarter and the rest of the fourth quarter. You may win the game. Andy Dalton can't move the ball. Let's watch Andy. Let's uh, see Andy Dalton's uh, drives after this one. So they go 13 plays on the next drive when they're down 27 to 14. They go and have 4th and 15, and uh, Andy Dalton is incomplete on 4th and 15. They have to go for it. I get it, but it's still Andy Dalton on 4th and 15. Of course he's not going to pick it up. And the Rams score another touchdown, and it's another turnover on downs, 4th and 10. Andy Dalton can't make it 3rd and manageable or anything like that because Andy Dalton is trash. We know this. So Andy Dalton's trash. Justin Fields is good. We know this, but Matt Nagy is still, for some reason, not understanding. So. All right, Matt, you do you, you do you. And uh, at the same time, let's quickly go over this right here. So Allen Robinson, you know, has a, you know, shallow week one route chart. But, you know, that's really just because of Andy Dalton because, you know, we just talked about his drive chart on Monday when we were breaking down the game. Here we go. No throws completed past 10 yards on the field. And the longest throw he had was 15 yards. You know, the longest throw Matt Stafford had in the game was like 70. <laughs> he bombed it down 70 yards. But, you know, the receivers here for the Bears, they don't call for that. Andy Dalton, the quarterback, definitely doesn't call for that. So, you know, don't blame... Uh, uh, you know, don't blame Allen Robinson for the poor performance because Allen Robinson made Mitch Trubisky look good. And now Andy Dalton is dinking and dunking the entire game. So 
it's just clear that Andy Dalton's the problem. I don't get it how nobody else is seeing it there in the Bears organization and how they're so adamant and content on just leaving Andy Dalton out there and not wanting to play Justin Fields. It doesn't seem like they want to win or be competitive this year, and that's, if that's the case, that's fine. We'll see uh, Matt Nagy in the hiring line um, come next season, and that's fine, and nobody will pick him up, and that will be fine as well. We do not care about uh, Matt Nagy anymore. We have gave him all of his chances. We gave him all of his chances, folks. You can go back. We've got hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes every single day throughout the off- entire offseason, basically every day touching on the Bears and Matt Nagy and Justin Fields, and uh, you know we were giving him credit. We were giving him praise, and uh, now we're seeing him once again flounder, and we're totally off of him. I got no problem being off of Matt Nagy. So, Matt Nagy, we'll see you. Um, we'll see you in the unemployment line. Hopefully sooner rather than later so Justin Fields can get on the field. Alrighty, that wraps up our week one film study, folks. How great. We were able to get through everything without a hitch here. Uh, the plays didn't crap out on us. How great was that? Woof, that was smooth sailing. That's how it's supposed to be, right, folks? Jeez, jeez. Uh, they were clowning us yesterday on the show. Damn. But we're good. That's how it goes, folks. Great film study. Loved it. And uh, we're looking forward to week two. Um, But uh, we got to end the show here with our guessing and reacting to the week two lines. We did pretty good in week one. Breaking down all the lines. uh, Guessing the lines. Getting very, very close. Uh, We found some disrespectful lines that paid out big for us. Uh, The Steelers plus six and a half. We didn't even guess anything close to that. We called Bills minus three. It was Bills minus six and a half. We cashed out on that. And then uh, the Dolphins one, I think, uh, I I forgot what we called. It, but we didn't even think the Dolphins were going to get three points, three and a half points. They did. We bet on that and we cashed out. So we were able to find great disrespectful value set up by Vegas. We took advantage and we're ready to do the same thing here week two. So let's uh, get uh, the games up here. We'll go game by game. We'll give our prediction of the line, and then we'll check DraftKings and see was our thinking right on par with Vegas? Were we off? Were we on? Who's right? Who's wrong? Because when we incorrectly predicted the uh, Dolphins and Steelers line, we were officially wrong, but our thinking was correct, folks. You see what we do here? Come on. Give us our dues. Give us our credit. We don't do things for no reason out here, folks. Come on. Come on. Uh, But here we go. First game up, Thursday Night Football, Giants at Washington. Now, we hinted at, hinted at it real early in the show. We are not on board at all. We have 0% buyability, believability, bettability into this Giants team. Until Saquon Barkley returns to form, he's questionable for tonight's game. Uh, let's, well, let's uh, let's quickly see. Do we have anything on Saquon Barkley? I doubt we do. I'm sure it's going to be kind of a true game time decision. And I'm sure he ends up playing because he did play last week. So I would assume he would play this week. We get any news on our man Barkley? Playing, not playing, game time decision. Doesn't seem like anything has truly come out yet. So, all right, we're still not buying this Giants team because Saquon Barkley is not 100% in. It's on the road. Washington, a little bit of a better team overall defensively. Offensively, they're rocking with Taylor Heineke and not um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, which I don't know if it's a blessing or not. Um, It's unfortunate we weren't able to see what Ryan Fitzpatrick could do this season. Truly unfortunate there. Hip injury. But we'll see if Tyler, Taylor Heineke can step up and be, you know, a game manager uh, for this decent Washington offense. It's not nothing great. It's nothing star-studded. They got Terry McLaurin real good. Antonio Gibson had a real great week one. Uh, so we'll see if they can build upon that. But back to this Giants team, the slow start. Kenny Galladay saying that. And, uh, you know, that's exactly what happened. And, you know, only putting up 
seven points the entire game and another seven right at the end of it. I can't buy any of this. No urgency here in New York, folks. There is no urgency. I can't get behind it. Daniel Jones, lackluster week one when we were expecting, you know, him to do what Kyler Murray did, come out on that year three leap, big, big, big time. But he flounders. No urgency here for this Giants team. No Evan Ingram this week either, the tight end. Uh, Kenny Galladay getting out to slow starts. Saquon Barkley, you know, everything tight-lipped and everything hush-hush and nobody ever wanting to push to get back quickly. Um, Obviously, these players want to get back. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that there's no urgency for these players to get back. You know, everything we've heard from Joe Judge and Saquon Barkley is like, yeah, we don't really know. You know, we're just taking it one day at a time, um, but today's not the day. So we'll check back tomorrow. We'll check back tomorrow. We'll check back tomorrow. No setting timetables. Hit this goal. Hit this goal. And maybe they had that internally, but we never heard of that. We never saw that, so we can't really say for sure. So I'm out 100% on this Giants team, folks. I can't stress it enough. Uh, So I'm going to call this one. Um, I think we could get great value just because of the Taylor Heineke angle, which could be good. So I'm just going to call this one Washington minus three. I think it's really just that Washington home team, they get the minus three. I think we can get good value because of Taylor Heineke being in. If it was Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think it may be Washington minus four and a half, five maybe. Uh, But because of Taylor Heineke, Vegas undervalues Washington and we can uh, cash out for that. So we'll officially predict this one at Washington minus three. Alrighty, so now we're ta- uh, switching gears to Sunday's action. Here we go. Patriots at Jets. Rookie versus rookie. Divisional opponent versus divisional opponent. Going to be a great one. So Jets at home. First home game of the season. We'll see if they can cash in. We just watched Zach Wilson. Accuracy was a little up and down overall, but overall not bad. Uh, we'll see if his two receivers are back. They need those receivers back here. Now the Patriots. Good defense. Real solid defense. Mac Jones. Real solid real serviceable coming up in big clutch situations for the most part running game truly hindered this Patriots team fumbling Ramondre Stevenson fumbles James White fumbles they lose the game unfortunately so this is going to be a great game right here we'll see who comes out on top Jets defense real solid Patriots defense real solid overall probably a lower scoring game with both of these rookies we'll see what Robert Solid does in his first time against Billy B out there But when we're just looking at quarterback, who do we like a little bit better, Zach Wilson or Mac Jones? And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I like Mac Jones just a tad bit better. Um, Jets have Corey Davis, who's the best receiver out of these two teams, but I think the Patriots have a better core overall. And like we said, let's see if we can get a quick update here on these two Giants or these two Jets wide receivers. Uh, Let's quickly see what we can see with these players. Here we go. Uh, Jamison Crowder. Who's the other one? All right, here we go. So we got, uh, who we got? Who we got? Where are they at? Um, Are none of them even on the injury report anymore? I'm not seeing them on the injury report. So no wide receivers for the Jets are on the injury report. So they're going to have their full cast of wide receivers back for them. And I think that really helps the Jets overall um, to be competitive in this game. I don't know if the Jets win this game, but we're going to call this one Jets minus one and a half. I got to give credit to Mac Jones for what he did. I thought it was real good, folks. Real game manager, above game manager, ask, not trying to force anything, where the Jets were really heavily relying on Zach Wilson because you have to, where the Patriots, Bill Belichick, can rely on the defense, rely on the running game until it fumbles. We'll see what running backs they go to because we know Bill Belichick has kind of a zero tolerance policy on fumbles. 
But uh, we'll call this one Jets minus one and a half. Jets minus three for being at home. And then we'll give a point and a half benefit to the Patriots of being a little bit better than the Jets overall. Uh, head coaching-wise, experience, all that. Division rivals. Patriots don't kind of you know lose back-to-back games either. So we'll call this one Jets minus one and a half. Alrighty, then we get the Broncos at the Jags, and we loved what we saw from the Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater completing those third downs, fantastic. Long third downs, fantastic. Uh, Melvin Gordon looking speedy as hack, and that was backed up by our claim. Remember, I forgot what day, and I'm going to make a clip of it and put it on Twitter, uh, but we were watching Melvin Gordon. It may have been Wednesday. I don't know if it was Wednesday or if it was Monday, uh, but one of those days, we were watching Melvin Gordon, and we were like, damn, he's looking fast as hack, and then, do I have the tweet up? Did I save the tweet? I hope I did. Let me see. Because he was marked as the fastest rusher for week one. Here it is, folks. The top five fastest ball carriers for week one. Melvin Gordon was number one, folks, reaching 21 miles an hour, 21.5 miles an hour. And that's what we saw. We were like, damn, we don't remember Melvin Gordon being that fast. And he's that fast. Backed up right there. This was just released yesterday, folks. The top five fastest ball carriers for week one. Melvin Gordon was number one. So Melvin Gordon in the best shape of his life? He's looking skinny. He's looking fast. Maybe this man is just getting right here, and that's going to be great because, you know, just a little lackluster overall for being kind of a premier running back in this league and really rarely ever rushing for 1,000 yards. That's only our knock on Melvin Gordon, but we loved what we saw from him in week one. Fantastic. Teddy Bridgewater loved what we saw from him in week one. Fantastic. The Broncos defense only really gave up seven points the entire game. Absolutely fantastic. On the road. They are once again on the road here with Jacksonville, and we just watched Trevor Lawrence, and that accuracy was sheesh, sheesh. And now we have Urban Meyer with the whole rumors if he's going to take the USC job that he instantly shot down so I doubt he does that and you can't you know bail after one game here but I'm just loving nothing about this Jaguars team overall, how it's ran, how it's playing, how they just threw Trevor Lawrence to the fire, having that man throw the ball like, 50, what did we say, 57 times, 58 times? It was stupid. Uh, three interceptions as well. Accuracy was really poor. So I'm going to call this one Broncos right on that cusp, folks. Broncos minus 6.5. Unfortunately, probably don't get great value here. Don't know if I want to swallow 6.5 either, but this Broncos team is so much better than the Jags, and they're showing so much promise at literally every single position, quarterback running back defense coaching everything is looking real great and the wide receivers are getting it done with Teddy B2 so love what the Broncos showed week one they keep it up week two we predicted at Broncos minus six and a half all right, here we go. Bills at the Dolphins, and this is not a great spot for this Bills team to be in. It's unfortunate. Uh, having the face of Steelers week one and then divisional Dolphins week two that has a real solid defense, and they're at home, and they have week one under their belt with the win, going into a win. I mean, sheesh. Bills, all this pressure. Josh Allen hearing the noise from the fans. It could get ugly for the Bills. But I do think, I do think Vegas is highly favorable on the Bills over the Dolphins. That's just kind of how I think Vegas is thinking, given what we just saw last week in the uh, spreads. So, Dolphins at home, fantastic here. Division game, fantastic here. Tua looking good. This Dolphins defense looking real solid. Uh, you know, forcing turnovers like they do. We know this. It's an active. It's like the last 25 games for the Dolphins, they have forced at least one turnover. I mean, it's bizarre, folks. Um, so, the Bills just kind of got shut down offensively a little bit last week by the Steelers defense. So, expect that a little bit here. Uh, expect Josh Allen to really have to be on his bullshit here to get the win. He's got to be great here. Hopefully they retune their thinking a little bit because I don't want to see Josh Allen passing the ball, throwing the ball 51 times. I don't think that's winnable for the man. 
Uh, not that he can't, it's just in his point of his career, this is not where he's at. Tua, we believe in him. He was getting it done. Uh, we're getting Will Fuller back. That's going to be huge for the Dolphins. Another deep threat wide receiver. So we have Devontae Parker. We have Will Fuller. Then we have Jalen Waddle in the intermediate game. So, I mean, the deep ball should be right back there. The Dolphins' offensive line is the biggest issue with this team overall. And we'll see if the Bills can take advantage of that. The Bills shut down Najee Harris last week. They should be able to shut down this Dolphins rushing game. But really, two evenly matched teams. They have their problems, um, you know, but they also have their real great strength. These are two great teams in the AFC. I'm ready to call the Dolphins a great team, and I'm still calling the Bills a great team, um, even though they lost week one. So we're going to call this one just Dolphins minus three. Just because they're home field, that's all there is to it, and we'll see if Vegas re-disrespects the Dolphins, and we will take advantage if they do. If the Dolphins get any type of points, you hammer it, you bet it. I don't think they do. Um, the worst is probably like Dolphins minus one and a half. That'd be, you know, disrespect, and we'll take that. But we're, we're going to call this one Dolphins minus three. Alrighty, we get the 49ers and the Eagles, and this is going to be a great game. Great showing by both these teams. 49ers offensively was getting it done. Debo Samuel was getting free. Uh, the defense at the end of the game kind of gave up a little bit, so, you know, mentality and coaching, is it truly there? They lost Robert Sala. They kind of lost that kind of edge factor, that, uh, you know, kind of juice factor, and that, you know, helps close out games and help you close out blowouts. So, once again, maybe Robert or Robert Sala had a huge impact on this 49ers team. Uh, the Eagles with um, Jalen Hurts looking real gosh dang good. Good. Shut out the Falcons. They couldn't do anything for the entire game. They scored two uh, two field goals on the first two drives. Shut out for the rest of the game. Eagles defense was truly getting it done. We can truly believe in Jalen Hurts. It is unfortunate that the Eagles have to go against this 49ers team that has a good defense and a, uh, do I dare say great defense. Um, uh, I don't know if I can say great so far. I can say good. It's great on paper. It's good overall, giving up 33 points to the line. That's kind of unacceptable. Um but, yeah, Eagles here at home. So we give them minus three for that. But I do think the 49ers overall are a little bit better. And I'm going to call this one. I, I want to buy into the hype of the four, uh, with the Eagles. And this is definitely going to be the week to prove that they can hang with the top dogs here. But I'm going to be a little disrespectful to the Eagles here. Um, not intentionally and not disrespectfully. But the 49ers, I'm going to call this one 49ers minus one and a half. Uh, so you get Eagles minus three for home. We flip it all the way to 49ers minus one and a half here. Um, I believe in Jalen Hurts, but we'll see what happens with a real great defense because that, e that Falcons team we know, and I hate to say this, but they're trash. We're 100% off on the Falcons. We Falcons and Vikings, we are 100% off. I don't care what they do. They will always be off. They never change their ways. I don't care if they get better this season. It was week one. We should give them a break. No, no, no. We gave them all the breaks last season. I'm done with the breaks for the Vikings and the Falcons. I'm done with the breaks there, folks. Y'all give them breaks. We will not give them breaks anymore. Falcons and Vikings out for us. So, you know, the Eagles, you know, beating the Falcons, is that impressive? You know, 49ers, is, it, is them beating the Lions, is that impressive? No, but both quarterbacks were looking good. And I think I'm going to bet on the 49ers defense a little bit better than I am going to bet on the Eagles defense. So 49ers minus one and a half is our official prediction. All right, next game up, and this is a huge, not great game for this Colts team. Rams at Colts. Jeez Louise, Colts, real tough two-week stretch right here, losing to the Seahawks. They're still at home, but now they have to face the Rams, and we just saw what freaking uh, Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford could do. It was looking absolutely fantastic, and we just watched the Colts and broke that game down on Monday. Man, oh, man, what the hell was going on? They weren't getting Michael Pittman Jr. involved at all. Uh, the rushing game was solid, uh, and then, you know, Carson Wentz was just dinking and dunking, and 
in the passing game to the running backs as well, and that resulted into really not putting up any points. They put up, what, like 16 points? Um, nothing truly that great. So we can't really buy into this Colts passing offense right now, and this Rams team has a great defense. They held the... Uh, uh, they held the Bears only 14 points, multiple takeaways. Matthew Stafford was lighting it up whenever he wanted. This is in a dome here with the Colts, and that's what you know the Rams and Matthew Stafford has experience with, with the Lions and now with the Rams, and now you know going on the road with the Colts. So um, I can't buy anything about this Colts team. T.Y. Hilton is still out. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. was really locked up or really not getting open, unfortunately, and Carson Wentz was just going to his running backs. I can't buy this Colts team just quite yet. This is the Super Bowl preview, and I think the Rams take advantage of it. I'm going to call this one Rams minus two. I'm going to call it Rams minus two prediction, and, uh, you know, I can't bet this Colts team this week either. All right, next game up is the Raiders and the Steelers. Raiders at Steelers here. All righty. We just saw the Raiders have a real solid showing, but Derek Carr was forcing the ball to Darren Waller. So expect the Steelers to try and clamp that man down. This Steelers game, his team is at home. Raiders coming off of a Monday night football overtime win. High excitement. Um, you know, they won and then they didn't because it was rolled down and then they throw an interception and then, you know, Lamar Jackson fumbles and then they get the ball back and then they win. So, you know, that takes a toll on this Raiders team. We'll see how well they travel the Steelers offense was out to a little bit of a lackluster start now is that because the Steelers offense is lackluster or because the Bills defense is good I'm going to call it the Bills defense was good and that the Steelers offense will should be kind of getting up to what it should be kind of at its peak this week against the Raiders um Raiders defense isn't anything that special, and we'll see what Derek Carr can do. Didn't really impress us too much. He made some nice throws when he needed to, so we'll give him credit for that. But overall in the game, just forcing the ball to Darren Waller, which I've got no problem with. But, you know, at some point, that's going to get taken away. I mean, teams will start doubling, triple teaming these guys, and then you're going to have to be making plays to your other weapons right there. And we'll see if Derek Carr can do that. But we're going to call this one Steelers. Probably just minus three and a half. I give them maybe a half a point better um, overall than that Raiders team, but we can still be believe and buy into that Raiders offense. So, you know, the scoreability is going to be there for both these teams. Steelers at home, 1-0. and We give them the slight favorite. We'll predict it as Steelers minus three and a half. Alrighty, here we go. Bengals, Bears, folks. Andy Dalton's revenge game. So we should be coming out firing, right? I wouldn't, you know, run with that train of thought because I loved what I saw from the Bengals there in week one. Joe Burrow, you know, I, I didn't give him a lot of credit coming into the season, and he kind of proved me wrong right off the rip. Uh, the defense holds strong, forces a turnover in overtime, doesn't give up, and they go down and score a game-winning uh, field goal in overtime. So we give the Bengals credit. We obviously know Andy Dalton is going to be starting this week and wants his revenge against the Bengals, but what did he show us that we can sink our teeth into? Now they're at home, so they'll get a little bit of a bigger boost. It's a 1 o'clock game you know not going against you know one of the best teams in the league the Rams so expect Andy Dalton to try to be a little bit better I'm gonna call this I don't even want to call this one like this but um I'm, I'm so I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna call it like that I'm not gonna give Andy Dalton any respect here I'm not gonna give this Bears team any respect here I'm gonna give this Bengals team some credit here um, Andy Dalton trying to do too much here. Maybe tries to air out the ball a little bit too much. We just looked at his uh, passing chart and everything was dink and dunk like we know Andy Dalton is going to do. So 
I'm just going to call this one Bears minus one and a half. Bears minus three because of the home field, but we knock them all the way down to only minus one and a half because they're not that great, folks. They put up 14 points. They won't move the ball. And Andy Dalton doesn't have a one tier one wide receiver surrounded all around him to make plays for him. So I'm calling it Bengals plus one and a half, Bears minus one and a half, however you want to read it uh, in our prediction. Then we get the Texans at the Browns. And, man, oh, man, can the Texans have a repeat performance from week one? Y'all know what I say. I think they're handling the distraction that is Deshaun Watson absolutely marvelous, marvelously, marvel, marvis, marvelous, marvelously. Jeez Louise. Um, because, uh, you know, nobody's really talking. You know, the Texans and the, the the Texans team and Deshaun Watson are two separate narratives in the media. And that's exactly how it has to be played. And that's why they had a real good showing come week one. Now the Browns, they were getting it done. They were competitive. Unfortunately, Baker Mayfield's not clutch like we know. So Browns at home is going to be a huge favorite in this game. Um, if the Texans were at home, I think I may have kind of slid in the favor of the Texans. But because of this Browns defense and maybe the uh, the lack of experience overall with the Texans offense with Tyrod Taylor being the first time quarterback out here in a couple of years and now on a new team and you know the head coach here is new for the Texans so I just think the Browns defense will be able to get it done and I'm going to call this one Browns minus four a little disrespectful there to the Texans uh, but this is going to be a huge kind of put up or shut up game are the Texans the real deal they will show it this week I hope they do I don't know if I can bet it though so Browns minus four and losing by four, I mean, that would still be competitive for the Texans. I think a win overall. Getting blown out by like 14 points, that's not something we want to see. Getting kind of losing by 10 points, I think is kind of the maximum I will allow for a win overall for Houston. So we'll see what happens. We'll call it Browns minus four. All right, here we go. Then we get the Saints at the Panthers right here. And the Saints were looking good. Jameis Winston clutches heck in the red zone. Sam Darnold left the door open the entire game. So, Sam Darnold only going to kind of Christian McCaffrey. And Christian McCaffrey being the main focal point of the offense like we knew it would be. The fact that the Panthers weren't able to close the door last week on the Jets and let Zach Wilson come back and almost win the game, that was hugely concerning. So, Sam Darnold, we take Jameis Winston over Sam Darnold any day of the week. That's not even a debate. So, Saints on the road, they just kind of had a little bit of a taste uh, at, with a road atmosphere last week with a neutral field. Now, uh, officially on the road here, I think Jameis Winston gets it done. The Panthers really showed nothing to me uh, that really made me believe that they are a truly great team. I can't believe in Sam Darnold. The offense is only Chris McCaffrey. The defense was real solid. I will give credit to this Panthers defense. It was for, you know They were forcing Zach Wilson to be uncomfortable a lot. We'll see if the Saints offensive line can hold up, and we, we hope that James Winston doesn't get uncomfortable in the pocket and starts throwing wild interceptions. Uh, but I'm going to trust the Saints here in James Winston, and I'm going to predict this one. Saints minus one and a half. I'm going to go full swing. Uh, Panthers minus three because of home. We flip it all the way to Saints minus one and a half. I'm believing in the Saints team. I'm believing in James Winston over Sam Darnold. All right, we get Vikings in the Cardinals, and this is a no, no brainer right here, folks. This Cardinals team, or this Vikings team, is trash, and this Cardinals team is the second best team in the league. We just unveiled our power rankings on Tuesday. Cardinals take place number two, Rams take place number one. Cardinals are looking so gosh dang good. I'm calling this one, and I'm being disrespectful with it. I don't care. I'm calling it Cardinals minus 10. Yes, sir. They're, this Vikings team is trash, folks. Um, Patrick Peterson, first time back with the Cardinals. I don't care. He's trash. He got burned by Jamar Chase the entire game. Cardinals minus 10. Easy blowout there. 
Alright, then we get Falcons and Bucks in another easy game here to call. Falcons at Bucks. We know this Falcons team is trash and the Bucks got Tom Brady. You can never count the man out. So we're gonna call this one Bucks and we're gonna be even more disrespectful um, than the than the Cardinal spread. We're gonna go Bucks minus 13 and a half. Yes, you all heard me right. Minus 13 and a half. This Falcons team can't move the ball. They can't score. We know this Bucks team could easily put up two touchdowns. What are you crazy? Bucks minus 13. No problem. I swallow it. I buy it all the way up to Bucks minus 20 to get even better value and we uh, cash out on Monday um, all rich so look out for that alrighty Another tough game up here is the Titans at the Seahawks. Well, we just saw the egg that the Titans laid last Sunday. Derrick Henry couldn't get out to anything good. The Titans defense couldn't do anything good. Ryan Tannehill couldn't do anything good. And the Seahawks just went on the road last week and beat a decent Colts team overall. Uh, Russell Wilson was looking real good. Efficient as heck. Had like five incompletions and like four touchdowns. Classic Russell Wilson. The overall defense of the Seahawks is there. The rushing game is there. Chris Carson, we're believers in. Um, Russell Wilson, obviously. Tyler Lockett's always getting open down deep. DK Metcalf, I mean, they've just got everything. Uh, coaching, home field advantage, defense, offense, quarterback, everything. Uh, so I hope Titans can get back to their good glory with Derrick Henry and running the ball and efficiently. But, I mean, the Titans on the road here, uh, man, oh, man, I can't, I can't get behind them on, at home last week against a good – Seahawks are against a good Cardinals team. Now they're facing a good Seahawks team. I'm going to call this one Seahawks minus six and a half. We'll cut it off right under that uh, half a point seven hook. Then we get the Cowboys and the Chargers. And man, oh man, this Cowboys defense is really going to have to step up and play well. Uh, this Cowboys offense is really going to be great. We know it. This Chargers defense is really going to have all they can handle. Uh, but is the Chargers offense going to be able to just play with the Cowboys defense? Because if that is the case, then I don't know if this Cowboys team can win overall. We heard about the Demarcus Lawrence injury. Truly unfortunate there. Dan Quinn's defense played pretty well against the Bucs. Unfortunately, just gave up the game-winning drive. That's just unfortunate. But they weren't really kind of getting blown out. Um, you know, they weren't allowing, you know, Tom Brady to do whatever he wanted. He still had success in that game. But overall, they kept it close. So I'm going to kind of, you know, give credit to this Cowboys team a little bit right here. And uh, I'm going to call this one a pick em game. I think it should be a pick em. Uh, Chargers minus three, but I think the Cowboys offense truly just showed out. They had some extra rest since they played on Thursday, so extra rest there. Demarcus Lawrence injury is tough. Uh, Zach Martin is back on the offensive line, so hopefully you know Zeke can run the ball a little bit more. Uh, but I'm going to call it a pick em. I think the Cowboys can be competitive, and we'll see what Dan Quinn's defense can do week two. Pretty solid week one, but you're missing an edge rusher in Demarcus Lawrence. We'll see if that affects him. So, uh, pick them game. All right, last two games here quickly. Chiefs at Ravens. Jeez Louise. Man, oh, man. Now, you know, once again, Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes. Always going to draw in a big audience Sunday night football. Ravens at home. All right, now the Ravens running game should be a little bit better. Getting everybody acclimated in practice. Should know the playbook and know all that. Le'Veon Bell, I believe, is still a game-time decision. I don't know if he's good to go. Alfred Morris should be good to go. Latavius Murray was good in week one, so expect him back out there. All right, Chiefs, they never lose games, though. They just don't lose games. you got to give credit to this Chiefs team. I want to believe in the Ravens, and I do, but overall, we need to see that rushing attack and that offense find its home and find its form and find its overall identity, and it's the Chiefs. I mean, the Ravens have more pressure coming into this game even though they are at home, folks. 
So uh, I'm gonna call this one Chiefs minus two. Um, I got I, I, they just don't lose. I mean, down ten against the Browns, it doesn't matter. Divisional opponent doesn't matter. They go and get the job done. It's Andy Reid. It's Patrick Mahomes. They get it done. Lamar Jackson flounders in the biggest game in the biggest opportunities. It's unfortunate, but that's what we've been seeing the last couple of times. The last two games, the last two times he's been on the field, he's floundered. Threw the pick in the end zone against the Bills in the uh, in the playoffs, and then fumbled the ball here in overtime after the defense picked off Derek Carr and y'all are here to win. So until Lamar Jackson can be a little bit more clutch, we can't really favor him. I'm calling it Chiefs minus two. And then the late, uh, the Monday night game, this is going to be an easy one to call. Lions at Packers, Packers at home. Aaron Rodgers just got blown out. And I'm going to call this one Packers uh, minus 19 and a half. Um, Lions are trash. They won't do anything. If they backdoor cover, they do it, and there's nothing we can do about that. We will still count it as a win if they backdoor cover, um, as long as our thinking was on par like it was last week. But Packers, they're out for blood. They're out for revenge. Lions, they're trash. They're on the road. Division game for the Packers. They blow them out. Minus 19 and a half. Alrighty, now that we've got them all predicted, let's refresh these lines. Are we on par? Are we off? Are we correct? Let's see what we've got. Alrighty, here we go. Let's refresh these lines one more time just to make sure they're up to the, up to the, up to the date here. Alrighty, that's what we're talking about. Alrighty, here we go, folks. The moment of truth. Were we right? Do we know what we're talking about? I think we do. Let's see how we did. So here we go. Uh, Thursday game. We'll talk about this one a little bit more in depth because, you know, it is tonight's game. And we will officially pick it right here right now. But here we go. Giants at Washington. Thursday night football. We predicted at Washington minus three. And it is exactly Washington minus three. And we are going to take Washington minus three. I cannot buy this Giants team, folks. I don't know, I don't know how many times I have to say this. Um, we try to give them. The benefit of the doubt, we were buying and hyping them up the entire offseason, and then we just had nothing from them. We heard nothing from them and nothing exciting, everything tight-lipped, everything, all right, we'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll find out tomorrow. We'll try, we'll try it again tomorrow. We'll try Saquon Barkley out tomorrow, and now, you know, he's a game-time decision, and no Evan Ingram still on that, so no urgency to get back, and no urgency to press themselves and to push themselves. They were absolutely lackluster offensively last week when... That was a winnable game at home against the Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater's first time with the Broncos. This was a winnable game for the Giants, and they didn't even compete. They put up seven points. They scored seven points on the last minute and 29 seconds left. It's like we can't even buy this team. There's no urgency, and now they're on the road against a real good Washington defense. Taylor Heineke is a game manager if I've ever seen one. We've seen him out there two times, three times, three starts, and he's just a game manager every single time, keeping the game close, taking the lead, keeping the games close, never getting blown out. That's what Taylor Heineke can do and just let this Washington defense take over. I don't see the Giants putting up any points, especially on the road, especially on Thursday Night Football, a small turnaround, primetime game, a division opponent. Nothing is going to go right here for the Giants. Washington at home, they get the win. We'll swallow the three. We'll take it. Washington minus three. Alrighty, now the Sunday games. Here we go. First game up is the Saints and the Saints at Panthers, and we predicted this one at Saints minus one and a half, and it's even better. Saints minus three and a half. Sheesh, and we agree. We don't think there's anything great with this Panthers team. The Saints defense shut down Aaron Rodgers, and Sam Donald is nowhere even close to there. So you know that's perfect. We are favoring the Saints here. The the Vegas is doing the same thing, and we'll favor the Saints potentially tomorrow with our official picks. We'll see if the Saints make it, but Saints officially minus three and a half. Camp buy anything into that Panthers offense. The defense is fine, but it's Jameis Winston. He was cool as a cucumber, accurate as heck in the red zone. That's all promising great green flags for the Saints so that we can buy into. 
Alrighty, next game up is the Bengals at the Bears, and we predicted this one as Bears minus one and a half, and it's Bears minus two and a half. Alrighty, so Vegas is thinking the same thing. You know, Bengals overall are a little bit better of a team overall. That's why, you know, it's not Bears minus three, and it's Bears minus two and a half officially. So I absolutely love that by Vegas. Uh, you know, thinking is right on par. We buy this Bengals team a little bit better than we buy the Bears. Can't buy their offense. Definitely don't buy Andy Dalton. And Joe Burrow truly impressed us winning in overtime, being uh, clutch as hack, being calm as hack, and just getting it done and beating the Vikings. We give them credit for that. So thinking is right on target. Bengals plus 2.5, Bears minus 2.5. Alrighty, next game up is the Texans at the Browns. Alright, I hope Vegas doesn't disrespect the Texans. I think they earned a right to not be heavily blowout kind of underdogs here. But let's see what they said. So we predicted this game at Texans, uh, or at, uh, Texans Browns as Browns minus four. And it, oh, they did disrespect them. Oh, I think this is a, I think this is a mistake, folks. I think this is a mistake. Truly disrespectful here. But they say Browns minus 12 and a half. Houston Texans plus 12 and a half. I think that's a mistake. And I think this is some disrespectful value that we can buy into a lot come tomorrow this is a huge great opportunity in our 99% guarantees Texans offense was moving their defense was getting it done uh, Tyra Taylor was looking solid and the Browns if this is a close game Baker Mayfield won't come up and clutch it so man oh man Vegas with the disrespect Whew. first disrespect of the day folks first disrespect of the week there geez we'll see if we take advantage we just talked about it. You know, Steelers disrespected last week. Dolphins disrespected last week. You know, just because Vegas, you know, is like, oh, this team has no chance of winning. Doesn't mean that they're going to cover that spread. So, geez. Alrighty, next game up is the Rams at the Colts. We predicted this line at... We predicted this line at... Rams minus... Is it two or one? I think, I think it's a one. Uh, I think it's one. Uh, Rams minus one, we predicted it. And it's Rams minus three and a half. Sheesh, sheesh. Uh, it might have been two. Uh, but either way, our thinking was right on target. It's Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay, folks. Get used to it. League is on notice. League had their kind of, you know, were, were put on notice. They were officially put on notice on primetime television. There is no reason for y'all not to understand what this duo can do. They will get it done offensively. Colts, like we said, Carson Wentz was dinking and dunking. It may look good, Colts plus three and a half at home, but I don't know if that offense can move the ball. We'll see. They need T.Y. Hilton back urgently, urgently. Alrighty, Broncos at the Jaguars. We predicted this game at Broncos minus six and a half, and it is Broncos minus six. Exactly on par, exactly what we were thinking. Can't buy Trevor Lawrence, can definitely buy Teddy Bridgewater, can definitely buy this Broncos defense, and the Jaguars at home, it makes no difference. Alrighty, Bills at Dolphins. We predicted this line at Dolphins minus three. And more disrespect here, folks. What the hell? Are y'all kidding me? Are y'all really kidding me? Vegas again, again, again. Dolphins plus three and a half. Y'all will know our bet tomorrow. Disrespect the Dolphins by giving them plus three and a half points. We'll eat that value up all day. Uh, Josh Allen on the road after that performance. Psh, psh, psh. Vegas, thank you for disrespecting. Vegas is out here disrespecting everybody, folks. The Texans, the Dolphins. We'll make them pay, folks. You can only make Vegas pay by robbing their pockets, and that's exactly what we did last week, and we'll do it again this week. We've got no problem with it.
All righty, Patriots at Jets. We predicted this line at Jets minus one and a half. And uh, all righty, we undervalued the Patriots. I get it, Vegas. This is We were completely wrong on this one. They call it Patriots minus six, Jets plus six. Also, maybe some potential value there. I'm going to have to think about this one. Maybe we were wrong in our thinking here. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick's defense, you know, did pretty good against the Dolphins, Jets offense. So I think maybe we were wrong about this one. And not Vegas being disrespectful, but this is why we do this on Thursday and our picks on Friday so we have a chance to sleep on these lines, take a deep breath, retool our information, recalculate our numbers, rerun our algorithm again, and we'll come back at you tomorrow. But uh, all right, all right, we're going to have to reconsider that one. All right, next game up is the 49ers at the Eagles. We predicted this line at the 49ers minus one and a half, and it's the 49ers minus three. So overall, like we said, you know, the 49ers are a better team overall just because of that defense. I appreciate what Jalen Hurts did, but I think I don't know if I can trust the Eagles defense too much. I hate that Falcons team overall offensively. 49ers team is overall better offensively, defensively, everything. We'll see what the Eagles are made of. I think this is a right spread, not disrespectful. By giving the Eagles three points at home, it's just we'll see if they are the real deal or not. Eagles plus three, 49ers minus three is the official spread. All right, next game up is the Raiders at the Steelers. We predicted this line at the Steelers minus three and a half, and it is, woof, all righty, Steelers minus six and a half, all righty. And, you know, kind of, you know, we understand it. The Steelers' defense is real solid. The Steelers' offense has the pieces to be solid. They're at home. Raiders on a little bit of a smaller turnaround because they just played on Monday night. They were at home, and it took until overtime and, all you know, getting lucky a couple of times to win in overtime. So Steelers at home, I can understand the spread, may stay away from it because, you know, this Raiders team in the beginning of the year is usually always good, especially if their offense can put up the points. We'll see if uh, Steelers can blow them out. So Steelers minus six and a half. I don't know if that's great value, though. I think that's the right spread. I don't think it's great value. Next game, up, next game up is the Vikings at the Cardinals. Alrighty, we predicted this game at Cardinals minus 10. And wow, Vegas giving respect to the Vikings? Really? Really? Wow. Cardinals only minus three and a half at home? You're telling me the Cardinals are only half a point better? Alright, we'll take it. Thank you. This is great value. Cardinals minus three and a half. I've got no problems taking that. Are you crazy? Are you out of your gourd? Woo! Alrighty, Kirk Cousins put up or shut up, man. Oh man, I think he shuts up. I'm ready to be done talking about Kirk Cousins. That's great value. We'll take that all day. Alrighty, next game up is the Falcons at the Bucks. We predicted this line at Bucks minus 13 and a half, and that's exactly what, basically what it is. Bucks minus 12 and a half, exactly what we were thinking. Right on par. Falcons are trash. We know that. Alrighty, Cowboys at Chargers. We predicted this line at. It's a pick'em. We called it a pick'em. Does Vegas agree? They don't really do pick'ems that often. Let's see what they say. And the official line is alrighty. It's not even close to a pick'em. Okay, it's a little interesting this one. Chargers minus three and a half. So it's the same spread as the Cardinals Vikings game. Are you kidding me? What the hell is going on? I hate it. I think this is some great value here by the Cowboys getting plus three and a half points. Really going to come down to their defense. The Chargers, how explosive, you know, can this offense be? Can they put up 40 a game? Can they put up 30-plus points a game? Can they put up 25 points consistently every single game? We'll see what Herb can do. But uh, Cowboys plus 3.5 seems like some solid value right there.
Alrighty, last three games left, so let's go through these quickly. Here we go, Titans at Seahawks. We predicted this line at Seahawks minus 6.5, and, and that's what it is, folks. Seahawks minus 6, exactly right on par. Just can't trust the Titans until they prove. We've seen them getting worse and worse the last two seasons. Small sample size, I get it, but if that trend is continuing, they're not going to make the playoffs this season, and you don't make the playoffs and if you score, if you win like less than eight games. So expect eight to nine wins here for the Titans, and this is kind of what it's looking like. Seahawks, they don't win this one. Seahawks minus six is the official spread Alrighty, Chiefs at Ravens. We predicted this one at Chiefs minus two, and it's going to be Chiefs minus four. Exactly that. I mean, it's the Chiefs, folks. You can never count them out. Lamar Jackson, we got to get this running game under their belt a little bit more, get it up to speed, acclimated into the game rhythm and the team philosophy and all that. And uh, we'll see if they have that done by uh, Mon uh, Sunday night football. Going to be a great one. So Chiefs are the favorites, minus four. And then the last game of the week, the Monday night game, Lions at Packers. We predicted this one at Packers minus 19 and a half, and it's only Packers minus 11 and a half. So you're telling me you're giving the Browns minus 12 and a half. You're, you're giving the Bucks minus 12 and a half. And is that the only two big ones? Yeah, those are the only two mammoth ones. And then you only give the Packers minus 11 and a half. Was it because of the Lions backdoor cover last week? I get it. I don't see that happening every single week. So... Packers only minus 11 and a half. That seems like great value too. Might swallow that up. Alrighty, so that officially does it. And we did another pretty solid job right here. I think we only missed on truly one of them. That uh, pack, uh, the Patriots line, we truly were way off the mark in. But every other one, we were right around that target thinking and some disrespectful odds. And we will take advantage with our uh, picks officially coming out tomorrow. Alrighty, folks, that is going to do it for us today. Our official pick for tonight's game is Washington minus three. We will be back tomorrow with our official picks, and uh, we will break down the Thursday night game football, uh, the Thursday night football game from last night. So come back tomorrow, folks. We're here. We're live. We make our official picks, and we break down some football. Always great here. So we will see you tomorrow, folks. We will be here, noon Eastern. Hopefully, you will too. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We are out.